Just to get a feel of the room, how many of you currently have employees? How many of you are planning to hire in the next 12 months? Okay, so this topic is very important to me personally and hopefully to you as well. And ultimately, you'll be able to get some practical advice from, the next, from this presentation. I'm going to skip a little bit about myself. For those who don't follow me yet, you can follow me on LinkedIn and learn all about us, about our company, PTEX Group, and what we do. And we'll dive right into it. So there was a study done a couple of years ago about how much weight a horse could carry. They wanted to see if you really push to the limits of a horse, how much weight could the horse carry? What do you think? How much pounds? 800. Any other guesses? On average, obviously. So it was 8,000. 8,000 pounds, which means even on, on the first shot, the horse could only take way less. But if you really push the limits, it's 8,000. Then those same people said, what if we take two horses together? How much could they both together carry? And 12,000, 25,000, 24,000 maybe? The study showed 32,000 pounds if it's really pushed the limit two at it together. Now, the reason I'm sharing this as an opening statement is we are great at what we do, but ultimately at one point you're going to have to hire people to work together as a team, and if you bring in the right people, the output, you're gonna, you know, obviously not horses, great people, ultimately the output of where you want to go with a business will be uh, quadrupled or even numbers that you couldn't imagine now. So Jim Collins, a favorite author, if you've not read the book, Good to Great, I recommend you reading this book, one of the favorite books that I read in the earlier years. Great vision without great people is irrelevant. We see so many people have great vision of where they want to go with their company, but ultimately they don't have great people. So therefore, we have to go exceptionally in the process of finding the right people for our company because you can make it or break it. Or Steve Jobs, the secret of my success is what? We have gone to exceptional land to hire the best people in the world. Take it from somebody like Steve Jobs that always took all the credit to himself. When he spoke about where the company went and how it, uh, how it was able to go, go where Apple is today, the most profitable, successful company in the world, he said we went ahead and hired the best people around. So it's important that we don't wing it. When it comes to our people, we understand what do we want, how do we want it? How do we measure success? And so on and so forth. So today, we don't have a lot of time, but I'll try to touch on the following. Building a team and a culture of excellence, which includes hiring, training, monitoring, and, and building a culture. It needs all of those four. So let me ask you a question. Has any of you, before we, we saw a lot of hands go up that they have employees, have any of you hired a person that was a bad hire? Okay, I'm going to call on you. What do you think it costed you? Too much. How much? Okay. 
Sleepless nights. Twice as much as the salary. Now, okay, so here is what I wanted to demonstrate now. Most of the people as business owners, if you have to let go of a person that was a bad hire, wasn't the right fit for the job, you're going to ask that person, how much did it cost you? They'll say salary, maybe twice the salary. They'll say it cost me and lost revenue potentially because it's a number. Because we as business owners look at it as a number. And when we make those decisions because of numbers, we always have this decision, look, I'll give him another month, I'll give her another month, because what exactly is another $3,000? Okay, let's, let's take that investment. But there were studies shown of what does it do for a culture? What does it do for a business? The first thing, we didn't hear it over here, lost productivity. We had the wrong person on the job, we, did, we weren't productive. That's part of the equation. Lost time from recruiting, training another employee. We go through a process of training employees, bringing them on board, introducing them to the team, showing them what we do, how we do it, and so on and so forth. Where's that time? Okay? When you have a bad hire, you lose a lot of those. Next, equally important or even more important, negative impact of employee morale. If you have a team of A players, or you personally, are an A player, and you bring in a person that's anything less than that, they're not suited for the job, you basically bring down the company's morale. And what happens is, slowly but surely, those A players become A minuses, Bs, or maybe they leave. This happens a lot in larger organizations. Last but not least, it compromises the quality of work, which ultimately, who suffers? Your clients. And we don't realize that. So the reason why I'm sharing this with you, get in the mindset. And sometimes when I do this presentation, some people ask me, how do you have time to do this right and go through this process for hiring? How don't you have the time? If it's not only money, it's the lost productivity, it's the loss of training, it's the employee morale, and ultimately your customers are suffering from it, how don't you have the time to go through this process? So that's why I wanted to show it to you from the get-go. So let's start from that. A lot of people have employees. A lot of you will be hiring in the next 12 months. How do you know when you're ready to hire? And sometimes I share this with people that are, are actually about to hire the first employee, but this is equally effective and equally important for people that have 10, 15, 20, 100 employees, and they're going to hire the 101. Now, most of the time, people will realize and say, I need, I can't, I need support, I need help. And when I speak to those people, I ask, just last, last week it was, somebody said he's going to hire his first assistant. And I asked him, so what is that person going to be doing? I don't know, I want you to be around the office and help me out. What exactly does that mean? What are you putting on a job description? How does that person know if, they, if, if he or she is actually doing a good job? What exactly does that mean? And matter of fact, not only is it not effective, as you're going to see soon, it ultimately doesn't solve your problem. Because if you are self-employed, or let's say you're hiring another person for a team, let's, let's take the scenario, the first scenario, which is you're self-employed. All of a sudden, just you have too much on your plate. You want to hire a person. Now, if you, if you don't account that that person will take something away from what you're doing, ultimately, you are going to lose even part of your own productivity because you're now training somebody, you're now overseeing somebody. So not only are you not gaining, you're actually losing as well. So the clearer we become with what that person does, ultimately 
um, we, the person will be much more successful. So how I, I usually say for a, a new hire, a new employee, if you cannot gain one plus one equals three, which means the two of you together, the chemistry between the two people, the type of people that you are, or maybe it's your weaknesses, your strengths, whatever it is, if you not get to the productivity of three people, you're probably a little bit too early to hire because what's going to happen is you're going to lose from your own from, um, productivity as well. So what I would advise you to do if you don't, have not done it, and this is something I've seen people do within 24 hours after the presentation, after learned from this the first time. One of the things I advise people when they open a company, they go to the bank, they open a corporation, they should create an organizational chart. Now I know what you're thinking. Most of the people that look at an organizational chart, this is for big, you know, this is for Entrepreneur Magazine. They have hundreds of employees, or so this is for a company with hundreds of employees, and you need to know who is working for whom, and who is uh, hierarchy, who is leaders, and who is working under whom, and so on and so forth, for all the corporate politics. That's when you develop an organizational chart. Right, that's a different type of organizational chart. What you're gonna do, starting tomorrow, you're going to take a piece of paper, or a software, whatever works for you, and you're going to create every single responsibility your company has. For instance, you might be a typical organization. We have sales, we have marketing, we have operation, we have finance, we have delivering our service, whatever it is. Now, could be it's even broken down even more. In, in, in finance, there is um, AR, AP, in, maybe there's data entry as well by just putting in, putting, plugging in numbers. On, invo on operation, could be it's different parts of it. Now, you're doing this not by titles, not by people, you're doing it by job description. You're doing, what does my business need? And as you start your business, your name will be in every single box, and that's totally, perfectly okay. Could be you have four employees, five employees, you're gonna create this organizational chart, you're gonna find that you put your name in all, some of, multiple boxes. That's perfectly fine. However, when you're going out to hire an employee, the first question you ask yourself, which box is that person taking away? Which box is that person taking away? Which means is, which of those boxes I could tell the person, you own it? This is what you do. And that's the first step you do prior to hiring a person. Now, if you, could, you can't answer this question, then we have a problem. Maybe we're not ready to hire. Now, some people will ask me is, what if this box alone doesn't have a full-time job? Guess what? You could have multiple boxes for that employee as well. But what is, what is the main boxes you want to give her or him? And what are the boxes you're just giving that, per, that candidate just because you don't have enough what to do? Now, people ask me, what, what boxes should I give away in the first place? Those are things that you don't love doing or you're just not good at. A lot of business owners, let's say I find a lot of business owners are great at sales and they want to keep that box of sales. A lot of people in the early on says, I want to hire a director of sales. I want to hire a salesperson. I don't want to be on the field. So whatever works for you, it's your company or you have leaders, when they hire someone, you got to make sure that they're filling a box. Make sense? Yes or yes? Okay. Now, now we know which box the person is taking. We got we to gotta go out there and find the right person. Now, I want you to take a moment to think about a star on your team. Or maybe it's not on your team. Maybe it's your, one of your vendors, one of your customers have this great employee. Okay? Everybody has a name in mind? You have a name in mind? Like somebody that I wish all my employees, so I wish everybody in my company would be like that employee, that person. I'm not going to ask for a name. Okay? What is it about that person? 
Beautiful. Attitude. Okay, just, just shout it out. Loyalty. Great. So when we are looking at a star employee, we're going to be hiring a new person for our company, we want to make sure we bring in the right people. Because as we started, the, your success of your company will be in the people. I've spoken one of, just a plug for my Let's Talk Business podcast. For those who are not subscribed, please subscribe. But one of the episodes was with, was with the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Brian Scudamore, a phenomenal person. And he said, I asked him about where he sees business going. He says, we came to a state, there's no more product businesses, there's no more service business, there's only people businesses. The companies with the right people will be successful. Obviously, we have to have Seattle Deshmaya. I'm talking about what you're doing in your day-to-day. So what makes them a star is all of the above, and I bet you I'll go around the room and ask everybody, more or less, we're going to get very similar answers. But I've came to realize through those 18 years that I've been doing what I'm doing and ultimately working with so many companies, if you want to find the right candidate, they must have a combination of humbleness, hungriness, and smart. And I'll explain. You want to bring in humble people. What is a humble person? Somebody that lacks ego and concerns about status. It's not about, this is my job, this is not my job. I'm here for the longer, bigger picture. I want to be successful. I want the company to be successful. Quick to give others credit. Those are the people that we accomplish something. It's not I, I, I. It's we accomplish something. It emphasizes team over self. And again, define successful success collectively, not individually. Now, don't confuse that with self-confidence. You don't want to bring in a person with lack of self-confidence. Most of the people that are humble have great self-confidence, but they know where to draw the line, and they know how to be able to divide their self-confidence with humility. Second thing is hungry. Now, a lot of business owners get scared. You know who are the hungry people? Those are the people in the interview, when you ask, do you have any questions for me? They ask you, what's my growth potential? And we say, oh, wait a minute, we're just talking about the job, we'll figure out growth. You've got to have those people, okay? We'll see soon how you have to keep them motivated. Those are the people that'll ask you, I know that I'm coming in at this entry-level job, but if I do a phenomenal job, what's my next step? Where's the company going? What's the vision of the company? You get all edgy. What do you mean vision of the company? I'm trying to survive and pay, pay payroll. No, I want to now give, give you my best. I want to give you my eight hours a day, whatever it is. I want to know. Those are the hungry people. Self-motivated, quick learners and doers, seek more responsibility. Those are the people who say, you know what, I think I have extra time. What else could I do for the company? Last but not least is smart. And don't confuse this with IQ. I'm talking about common sense about people, understanding, regardless of if it makes sense or not, we run a business. We have coworkers. We need to be able to work with a culture. We need to be able to help each other out. Understands the impact of the words and actions, okay? So I have found that if you look at people, not everybody will be 100% on each of those three, but you will not find a star that doesn't have a combination of those three. And now I want to ask you the people that shouted out names before, thought about names. Does this make sense? Is this fitting that person? Does this fit the person? Okay. So when you go out and hire a person, you want to make sh- sure. Go ahead. Correct. First of all, when you are a person that's humble 
and you're a, you have a person that's basically there to support the, the team, they're automatically um, people people. People um, uh, pleasers or people... Um, um, now, I will answer you the following. We're not talking about their skills. Skills is something you learn. Those three things, you're not learning. You either are or you aren't. You could become better at it if you have some of it and you want to be, make an effort to be more humble, make an effort to be more hungry on where you, you know, how you're doing this. It's not something that you actually are. Those are the people, uh, you know, forgive me for those of the, maybe somebody works for the, the motor vehicle. Those are the people that walk off the stage, middle of lunch, middle of that. Those are not humble, hungry, and smart people, okay? You can't teach that. They should try to redo their culture. It's not going to work on those people. Maybe they have to bring in other people. So exactly, this is exactly the point. And thank you for pointing it out. It's not a skill. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's go through the whole presentation. Let's see if you get some of the answers. Okay, now people always ask me, how do you actually, how do you know if a person is hum humble, hungry, and smart? You, it's very easy, okay? And again, I'll give you this at the end, but if you want to write down, if you text the word hiring to this phone number, I'm going to send you this, present, this PDF. It's not something that I created, but uh, it's shared with permission. These are like five questions how you could ask yourself and you're going to get the answer, is this person a humble person? Is this person a hungry person? Is this person a smart person? Now, here's, the, here's something very interesting. When I teach this to business owners or leaders in companies, I tell them, you know what? Maybe do it for yourself first. Test yourself. Because we cannot expect our team to be better than we are. So nobody has to know it. It's your score. But you're going to see some information on, on that sheet. But humble, hungry, and smart... Ask yourself this, and I've done it at one point. You know, Hanukkah is coming up. We did a Hanukkah retreat with our employees. We actually had everybody do it for themselves. And then I said, who's humble enough to share where they could improve? And people actually stood up and said, you know, I think I don't give compliments as, as, as easily as I should have for my team or for my people in my, my, in my organization. Now, could you improve on that? Of course you could improve because it becomes a center focus. If I want to be a better leader, my, te my team has to hear from me. Now, what could I do? You could just be more conscious about it. You could read a good book, One Minute Manager, small, thin book. will give you some good ideas how you could learn to be a better manager and be able to be helpful for your team. Okay, so you get my point. My point is if you are focusing on that, ultimately you'll be able to, to, to make more progress in it. Now... Once we have, these are the people we want to bring into our organization, there is a hiring process, and I'm going to have to go, I apologize in advance, I'm going to have to go a little quick on those slides, just because of the lack of time, I don't want, they should throw me off stage. So, we have a signed director, right job description, vet candidates, and interviewing process. Now, what do we mean with that? First of all, we got to know, if most people bring in the wrong employees, what would you say is the reason why most people hire the wrong employees? Who wants to, to say? No. Desperation. So, you're exactly right. A study has shown that the number one reason why they basically bring in wrong employees is because out of desperation. Now, think about it. What are you desperate for? You need to fill the job. If you're filling the job with the wrong person, if you don't have time to do it right once, how do you have time to do it twice? 
So it's just, just mathematical, it doesn't make sense. So the first thing I want to ask you is, when you're hiring a new employee, who are they reporting to? Ask yourself this question. Now, I, I know it sounds like, oh, this, this company only has five people. What do you mean who are they reporting to? I want to tell you, with this line, I actually saved a $12 million company. They were about to split up two partners. When he was going through this process, and this is part of a leaders form that we train, he said, I got it. This is exactly what's the problem. Every employee is torn between the two of us. And both of us are giving them what to do. And anytime I ask him, where's my stuff? He says, but Yankel told me to do this. Or Moshe told me to do that. And ultimately, we don't have the organizational chart with who is this person reporting to. I also have a partner. But every employee in our company knows when is, am I the direct report? Or when is my partner the direct report? Or when is a leader in the, in the team a direct report? You've got to ask yourself this question. Because you have to be crystal clear before you hire who is this the job person reporting to and what is the job description. Now, better yet, we live in a world that's changing. Don't call it a job description. Call it responsibility description. Nobody wants a J-O-B. Okay? So what is my responsibility description? Okay? Before you go out to hire, you want to have that for you. It's not a fancy. It doesn't have to have five pages. We usually do it in a one single page, which is who you're reporting to, what is the core of your job of responsibility, and what are the couple of things you're going to be able to do on a daily basis. So that person, you're interviewing that person, they know what you're, they're expected from them. Because people are looking for careers, people are looking for long-term growth, and now this is my responsibility. I'm not looking to come into a job and stay with that job, I'm looking to grow. And the mindset of, I'm taking this responsibility now, we'll see where the company will lead me along in the, in the future. Okay, now when you're vetting candidates, okay, first of all, another tip, never ever hire a single person, the single candidate. Regardless who it is, bring in your sister, your mother, your brother for another interview. You want to be able to compare how two people are asking questions, how two people are asking different questions on the same responsibility. Never ever go out and say, I want to hire someone, I put out an ad, a job description, somebody came in, I interview them, and they are great, and I'm hiring them. Never. I'm telling you from experience. Be able to compare it. Okay? So when you're interviewing that candidate, you want to be able to get a couple of things out of that first interview. First of all, believe in your purpose. Why are you doing what you're doing? Of course you want to make money, but you have a bigger cause of why you're doing what you're doing. You believe you're changing your industry, your world, your community, the type of work you do. You do it differently than anybody else. Make sure they believe in your purpose. They fit with your core values. We'll speak soon about core values. It's your culture. They have to fit. They have to be able to work as a team. Again, as a type of person, they're a team player. They're humble, hungry, and smart. Have required skills. Of course, they can't be just a humble person not knowing computer programming if they have to do computer programming or sales or, or whatever. And then last but not least, I want to open you to a conversation which is called Embrace Diversity. Now, what I'm, I'm meaning with that is something very simple. You could speak to a business owner that just hired someone or a leader that just hired someone or just interviewed someone. He says, how did this interview go? Oh, great. You know, he, was, he or she was asking the same questions like me, thinking like me, doing like me. Like, I feel like it's, I'm cloning myself. Guess what? Who, know, who, who said your company needs that? Maybe the company needs just the opposite. The person that you're very quick, they need somebody that'll ask questions. They'll stop you and say, does this make sense? Why are we doing it this way? just because we did it the last 10 years that way. So the 
Embrace diversity, which means understand that not every candidate should be like you. But again, depending on which, which role you're hiring that person. In the interviewing process, you want to be able to split it up. Review job description and engage interests, share company purpose, mission, and core values. And then you are sharing the job description. Now, I'm not going to go into very much details. I'm a strong believer, especially larger companies or even small companies. Do not hire a person with a single interview. Um, have another person interview that person. By us, it's usually two or three interviews. And the reason is because you could see different people interviewing the same candidate. Are they seeing the same red flags? Or are they seeing the same excitement towards the candidate? And never obviously tell the person, you know, I want you to interview this candidate. I think she said this and that. You know, it's not about let them just have an interview and then have a conversation. Now, I strongly encourage you, and it's perfectly fine if you're hiring the first employee, the third employee, you don't have another person in your company as a leader. It could be a mentor, it could be a friend, it could be another business partner. I've done it in the earlier years where I looked up on different people, I said, you know what, I'm hiring this person for long term. Could you have a conversation to see with him if they, you know me, you know my culture, you know the company? It's perfectly okay. Why? Because sometimes we're desperate and this person comes in with this amazing resume and ultimately they're selling us the bridge only to find out five weeks later that everything she said is totally not matching up or whatever, everything he said is totally not matching up to the job. So we want to do this, um, and we'll get to the third one, which is the job description in KRA. I'll explain it in a minute. Onboarding. Okay, don't be the boss. Don't be the leader that has your person come in the first time in the office after a few weeks of negotiation of salary, and finally they're starting. They're sitting in the lobby waiting for you because you're not there yet. Or you show up and it says, oh, so where is she going to sit? Where is he going to sit? Oh, we don't have a computer set up. You know how miserable those people feel? You know, they're starting a new career, a new job, and all we're asking is you to prepare this candidate with a computer, an email address, letting people know about this candidate. This whole starting point, the whole onboarding part is so much better. And this is something you can take away to do tomorrow. Figure out what are the things we could do better in our own onboarding process. Training schedule. Let the person know the first few weeks, you're not going to have a lot what to do because we're going to train you, and this is how you're going to be trained. Now, a lot of people, they start a new job, and all of a sudden they're bored. And they're bored because they're not yet trained. Well, why don't you have that conversation with those people, what the expectations is? Welcome email. This is something we do, and we do it both sides. I, as the CEO, send out a beautiful welcome email to the whole company welcoming this new employee. And then the employee themselves send out an email to the whole company introducing themselves. Why? Every company is different, but in our culture, we don't want this person to walk over to the water cooler or on the kitchenette to eat some, some snacks, and nobody knows, is this a client? Is this a new employee? What is she doing here? What is he doing here? Now, there is some sort of connection. This person said about their history, what they, where they worked, and they, why they're excited to join the company. Again, you're building a better team. And any other information you would know, and this, is, this comes down to the basics, and uh, we've been guilty on this for years, which is every company has their own style, their own way of doing. This is a story, I shared it once, and, he, and, and somebody told me the following story. He says his wife, after he got married, took a new job. And they were debating between two jobs, and then finally she took a job. It came the first weekend, and she came home all upset that looks like, looks like we're, um, they're not happy with me. And he says, what do you mean? They didn't pay me. It's the end of the week. I saw some envelopes. They didn't pay me. And they got all, all upset. Maybe I shouldn't go back on Monday. 
And the husband says, you know what, Monday morning, instead of you going into the office, I'll go and I'll speak to your boss. He comes in the first thing and says, how, how are you happy with my wife? Oh, she's, for the first week, she's really picking up. He says, why didn't you pay her? She said, oh, I never told her that we only pay bi-weekly. Basic stuff, okay? But sometimes we forget. We take it for granted. So what I did once a few years ago, literally this is what I did. You could copy it tomorrow or today. I sent out an email to all my staff members. We now have over 30 in the house. And asked them, what is stuff that you didn't know day one that you found out with time? Guess what? Payroll. Um, I don't know who's in charge of IT. I don't know if there's no spoons in the kitchen. Who should I let them know? Okay, and it's a bunch of stuff. Where could I find a directory of everybody that works here? You know, we created one email template that constantly gets updated. A new employee comes in. That's one of the things they get in the beginning. They get just an email. Here's the odds and ends you should know. It's so easy. We could all do it. Okay? And then it's monitoring. Okay? Monitoring is watch the little things. A small leak will sink a great ship. We have to make sure that we monitor people, not only for weaknesses, but for strengths as well. This is where KRA comes in. If you have not learned anything, by the way, are you learning new stuff over here? Okay, so if you have not learned enough, you should pay attention to what I'm going to share now, which is with every job description, we have something that's called KRA. In the corporate world, it's called key, key, uh, K, KPIs, Key Performance Indicators. We call it Key Results Areas. Okay, going together with the word responsibility instead of job. Which is, when they start a new job, we should be able, as leaders and as business owners, we should be able to answer them, how do we know if you're effective at what you do? You're going to come in every single day and work for a company. Yes, you're going to get a paycheck. But we want to be effective at what we do. We have a job description. We have which responsibilities the person will do. But now we want to know KRAs. Now, the way we have developed it, and we've gone through a couple of versions of it, but this is what we do now for the last few years. What is expected and how will it be measured? If you cannot answer this to an employee, we're doing a disservice for ourselves and for our employees. If we cannot answer it, what is expected and how will it be measured, we're doing a disservice for our employees. And the way I do it in our company, and you could steal this and use it, which is the three E's. Effectiveness, efficiency, and a culture of excellence. Every job Regardless if that person is cleaning up the office or doing bookkeeping or graphic designer or so on and so forth, a salesperson, you'll be able to ask them the following questions. How effective are you in what you do? How efficient are you in how you do it? And are you an asset to the culture? Okay? Think about it. The bookkeeper. They could, she could be, he or she could be very effective. She's managing cash flow. She's doing everything. She's not efficient. She, comes on she, she doesn't come on time. She leaves on time. She's not communicating properly. And the same, she could be good at both, he or she could be good at both, but they're not, a, 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 they're not playing along with the culture of excellence. So every job description, every responsibility description should have how you're going to be measuring effectiveness, efficiency, and culture of excellence. Now some jobs are data-driven, which is measured by numbers. Some of them, you have to find the other ways how to measure it. Once you have that, you have 30-day check-ins. Every new employee deserves at least 30 days into the job to have a one-off conversation. How's it going? And guess what? You know how those meetings work? Most of the time, we do all the talking. Send them an email five days before that next week, I want to set some time to speak about what your expectations were, how's it working, how could we be helpful for you? What happens? The meeting happens not from one minute to the next. The person is caught off guard and doesn't know that they didn't prepare for the meeting. 
Okay? And then we have quarterly reviews and yearly reviews. The quarterly reviews and yearly reviews are based on the KRAs. Now, when you have a conversation, most of the time you, you basically have a certain feeling. The employee has a certain feeling. And ultimately, if you have this, which is, we have our KRAs, it's very factual based, which reminds me of a story. I once had a person that called me up that he wants to quit his job, and I knew he was a, you know, he was a vital part of the company. And I asked him, how will your boss feel about you leaving? And he says, well, I, I don't even know if he has his password to his bank account. Like, I know everything over here. He is going to be like going bananas. And I said, you know what? Give me permission to call you to boss to ask him. And a few, a, few, a few hours later, I called his boss, and I said, you know this guy is planning to leave. He says, if he came for you to advise, just advise him to leave. I want to get him out of our company. What is that? How could it be that a company, an employer and employee should be so far apart? I'll tell you why. There's no clear KRAs, and there is busyness with effectiveness. This person felt he's so busy, he doesn't realize the person is sending him for his personal errands because nothing else he's doing for the company. He's managing his password for the account to make wire transfer, whatever it is, but that's not the job that he was hired for. That's not the results the company wants. So when you have a system like this, you know, picturing yourself, you're sitting across an employee just because it's the quarter, not because something happened now, just because it's three months into the job. And I want to tell you something. You're very efficient in what you do, organized, responsible, everything else. I think the work, we need to push ourselves on effectiveness. We need to get to the next level or vice versa. You know how effective the, the, that feedback is? If that person is a great person, a humble, hungry, and smart person, that person takes feedback great, all they'll do the next three months is prove yourself that they could improve on effectiveness versus I don't think it's working. What is not working? You get my point? You get very much, to, you cut to the chase and you get into the details. Okay, I'm going to go quickly from the slides. I'm getting the five-minute clock, which is during the reviews, pay attention to strengths and shortcomings. A new employee comes in, doesn't, don't write them off. The worst thing we could do, and I think if somebody asked me, I think Robbie Wordy had a podcast and he interviewed me and he asked me, what is one thing I could say if we could be better at? What would it be? And naturally came out that we're not paying attention to employees' value. There are so many great talent in companies that are just not given the opportunity. So when you find a person that was hired for something, but they outgrew the job, figure out how could they be valuable for the company in other positions or in larger gauge feedback and reinforce core values. And then I would advise you something to do once a year, starting now at the end of the year, which is get in the habit of firing everybody once a year. Sorry, not so rap. Fire everybody mentally every year, which is figure out at the end of the year, go through those people. If I should have to hire again that person for this position, would I hire? Sometimes we get very comfortable with a person sitting there, and, and ultimately they're lingering the success of the company, and we're just not paying attention because that person is there for five years, for three years, for five, six years. Now, be considerate. Don't let the person go just because you made this, and many half me told you that you should do this at the end of the year. However, you should have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with that person. I want to tell you, I'm going through the responsibilities. It's not matching up. Sometimes the person will say, give me less responsibilities. You gave me too much. You're expecting too much. That's perfectly fine. That person could be a great employee, but not in that seat on the bus. Something else. Or the person will say, by the way, I'm not even happy over here as well. Let that conversation happen. And again, obviously... We don't have time, but even if in case of a fire, you got to let the person go, there is ways of doing it. And quickly to discuss is offer emotional support. We live only once. 
offer emotional support. Some people say they want to they wanna own the narrative. I went away instead of I was let go. I have this new, I'm opening my own business, so I'm graduating from an employee to, guess what, work with them. Why? Because we live only once. We gotta be able to be, offer emotional support and also notify team to avoid confusion. Very important part in companies, and I've seen this, you know, don't fire the, you know, the director of the FBI with a tweet and leave everybody confused what happened, okay? Speak to your team, by the way, this person is gonna be leaving, this is the reason, we had it yesterday in our huddle, we have a weekly huddle in the company, I said, by the way, this and this person is going to start doing freelance work for us, she wants to have more freedom, she, wants to, she doesn't wanna travel, perfectly fine, instead of, the company is sh the shaking, shakiness in the company, this guy is leaving, that person, guess what? It could be part of the strategy. We, we're shaping things up, okay? So don't let confusion um, that, okay? But ultimately, we don't have a lot of time, so I'll get to it, which is culture. Build a culture, build your core values, build stuff. This is how we operate. This is important to us, this is behavioral, this is shared. Okay, in our company, if you come to our company or you see our website, it's not only on the wall. We have actually objects, this is true courage, to show that we want you to open up, to say, speak your mind. Why? Because we want the people to be able to be happily coming to work every single day. And when you hold them accountable, you could say, in light of true courage, I need to give you this feedback. Or you could say, you know, where's the obsession over detail? You know, one of our core values. And you're trained by that. You bring them in in the interviewing process. You're trained by that. We have a whole program how we train people, how we operate. That's where you get comfortable in your own skin. I could be speaking here and trusting my team that they're going to be delivering because they, we have the shared values. And then I would ask you, and this is something I could speak to so many business owners that I, I ask them, how healthy is your culture? They'll say, oh, amazing. Just yesterday, somebody, somebody's husband told me that my wife loves it. And then, obviously, he doesn't know that person smirked right afterwards. What we do in our company, we actually sometimes have third parties serving our employees. I know it's hard. I get a lot of feedback. Sometimes it's small things that we can fix immediately. For that person, that's important. Okay, so you want to be able to survey. Sometimes it's your own survey. If you have a very small company, maybe it's one-on-one -on -one conversations. What could we do better? If you become a larger organization, you want to have even some, some sort of third-party surveying your customers, so your employees, so you're able to get a sense of your culture. I want to leave you with this, which is happy employees makes happy customers, which in return makes happy shareholders. Most people look at the happy shareholders, which goes in the bank, but it's the people that will make you happy customers which will make you happy shareholders. Um, there is more, but we're out of time, so I'll leave you with the following story. We as business owners, and something that I'm very passionate about, I want to share with you the following story. There was once a, an attorney, a very successful attorney, that in the later years, he was interviewed for a magazine about his life. And somebody asked him, like, what could you contribute a lot of your success? And he said, to my father. And he asked him, what about that? And he shared the following story that I think is very important for us business owners as a whole. And he said that when I was a little kid, two minutes, when I was a little kid, I, I went, I wanted to bond with my father a lot, so we went fishing. Every Sunday we went fishing. Week after week, they went to fish, they didn't catch any fish. Finally, one Sunday they prepared, they go out there, and they caught a, he starts seeing that I caught a beautiful fish, finishing. He takes out, he takes out the, 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 you know, the, fish, the, uh, the fishing rod, takes out a fish, beautiful, beautiful fish, and says, Daddy, we got finally a beautiful fish. 
And the father turns around and he says, put it back. He says, what do you mean? Finally, we got this beautiful fish. He said, put it back. And he turns and says, son, you see this sign? It says, no fishing after 5 o'clock. Now it's 10 after 5. We got to put it back. And the person said, a very, 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 very important thing for us business owners to know, which is sometimes the person, the, this attorney said that when I put the fish back, I thought to myself, I'll never see another beautiful fish in my life. But for the rest of my life, every time I had to choose between right and wrong, I saw that beautiful fish and I chose the right thing to do. As business owners, we're speaking about our company, we're speaking about employees. There's always the right thing to do. Make sure you do the right thing, and with Seattle Shema will be Matslich. <laughs>